Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders in their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage and sustainability. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. I am delighted today that with us is Skip Pritchard. Skip is an accomplished CEO, growth-oriented business leader, and keynote speaker. He's known for his track record of successfully repositioning companies and dramatically improving results while improving the corporate culture. And so, yeah, he is absolutely known as the culture changer. He's a keynote speaker on topics ranging from leadership, personal development, growth strategies, corporate culture turnarounds, and the future of publishing. His views have been featured in print and broadcast media, including the BBC, The New York Times, CNN, NPR, The Daily Beast, Harvard Business Review, Information Today, and Booksellers, Publishers Weekly, Christian Retailing, and The Library Journal. I need to interview people with shorter bios. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I am honored that you are here with us, especially given this list of accomplishments. It's wonderful to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. Thank you. The reason we do that I do this series is I'm aware of the rate of change and how leaders are impacted by this change when they're working 12, 14, 16 hours a day focusing on their work, and they don't have time to retool or rethink about their leadership. And so I wanted to create a series that would allow them to improve on a weekly basis how they lead and stay current, probably very similar to your blogs. And so that's what the radio show has turned into. So for our listeners, I invite you to listen to Skip's message and see what you can take out of it to experiment with this week on your own leadership. And we would love to hear an email from you talking about what you did and how it worked. Skip has just finished a very interesting book. He has gone through the publishing process. I strongly recommend it. And it is focusing on leadership mistakes and the nine secrets of creating a successful organization and future. So let's talk about the book because I found it fascinating. It's a corporate fable and it starts out in the 1400s. So why don't you take it from there? It does. And and I wrote a story. It's called The Book of Mistakes, Nine Secrets to Creating a Successful Future. And it's all about, it's a fictional story. And it does start off in the 1400s in a cathedral. And it's the idea that a monk is transcribing these ancient secrets into another language, into English. And someone's trying to steal those books, break in and, and steal those secrets. And so it sets up the story and the nine secrets of success. And honestly, I was thinking I was reading a Dan Brown novel and not wanting to put it down. So 
How did you come up with that story as the beginning? That's my mind. I can't help it. Okay. I, I think, <laughs> I think you know, I, I, I developed these nine principles. I've interviewed, like you, you've interviewed, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people. I've interviewed over a thousand successful people. Wow. So you have me beat by a factor of 10. Maybe so. I don't know. But I tell you, just really fascinating people, politicians, rock mm-hmm. stars, legends, all, mm-hmm. all different types of people, CEOs. And I distilled all of that and I read a book a day. I've, I'm a, con- I consume that. books like uh, like food. I consume both books and food, I guess. And I also did a lot of research into mm-hmm. success my whole life. And I distilled that into these nine principles. But, you know, most people don't want to read. And particularly, I think about my daughter and the new generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They don't want to read a lot of these boring, heavy, textbook-like books. Mm-hmm. You want a book that you pick up. And I wanted exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I love Dan Brown and his writing, mm-hmm. too. To have a book that was engaging kind of a fictional story but taught these important success mm-hmm. and business mm-hmm. principles you can apply to your life or to your business mm-hmm. that will um, that will be digestible that you can remember. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote it in that way, to engage you and not bore you. And it is. I, I haven't finished it yet. I opted to go to sleep last night rather than <laughs> so I do not it's read a, good a book thing. a day. <laughs> so you've talked about why it was a fable. What you haven't talked about is your blog. So how does that play in? So you interviewed over a thousand leaders. How did you get started with that? Why you have a family, you sing, you play the violin. Oh yeah, and you're a CEO of a complex organization and you do turnaround work. Where does the blog fit? Well, it's, it's my passion. You know, I, I wrote the story and I, I wrote it partly as a story because we remember stories a lot more than mm-hmm. we do uh, if we just read a, yeah. a regular book, you know, 22 times more likely to remember a story than a fact. But the, the actually, the blog started because I was the CEO of Ingram Content Group in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the yeah. largest book trade wholesaler in the country. And Condoleezza Rice, Secretary mm-hmm. of State, was mm-hmm. coming through uh, on her book. And I said, I should probably interview her when she's coming through. And I asked somebody that worked for me, do you have a video camera? He's like, sure. And he brought in a video camera. It was one that he used with his kids. And, and I said, <laughs> could I do a quick interview with you? And she said, yes. And, of course, she was so gracious. And I remember mm-hmm. it was funny because she says, where's the microphones we attach to our and, – and he said, oh, this is fabulous. It's new technology. <laughs> it was just a home <laughs> video camera. And uh, I, I bumbled my way through that. But from there, started interviewing a number of different people as they mm-hmm. would come through. And you know what I learned, Maureen? We had done a lot of interviews. I had interviewed uh, very successful and famous people before. Mm-hmm. But people don't follow corporations. They follow people. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, I have to do that. And I thought, well, be a little more personal. Put yourself mm-hmm, out on it mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's why people engage and follow you is mm-hmm. because they want to know you, not just the mm-hmm. company. Not that they don't care about the company. But, but they, they don't care, care about the company. They don't care about the company, right? <laughs> Mostly, unless they're a stockholder, they don't care about the company. It's true. And so that's how it got started. And it, it's my passion. I, I've always had this passion of studying success. We had a very different way of running our house when I was a kid. My Mm -hmm. parents, they thought, well, we want to do good work. We want to do mission work, they thought. Mm -hmm. We want to just give back to the world. They couldn't have children, they were told. They had six. And then my mom said, well, we still want to do, (laughs) we still want to do good work, but we don't want to go overseas. So what could we do? Let's open Mm -hmm. up our house to people. And 
all these people would come through our house mm-hmm. and I would see usually they were addicted, abused, kind of a, a mm-hmm. abandoned kind mm-hmm. of people. And one would leave, maybe go to a community college, mm-hmm. get a job, mm-hmm. and the other would be back on drugs and circle back. And I started mm-hmm. studying, why are you successful and you're not? It's fascinating, isn't it? It is. And what makes that difference? And that same fascination I mm-hmm. applied to companies, right? Mm-hmm. Why does one organization succeed and another one fail? These elements can be very similar. And mm-hmm. why is that? And so this fascination just is my personal passion. And mm-hmm. so interviewing people, what makes them tick? Why did you do this? Uh, I mean, Condoleezza Rice was this incredible pianist. Oh, I mean, really? Oh, she played with Yo-Yo Ma. I mean, she is really? at that level. And yet here she is as a politician, Stanford professor now. And I just found this interesting that successful people are multifaceted. Why is it? And companies that adapt those same practices mm-hmm. tend to succeed over and over where others fail. And it became a lifelong study. You know, we wrote a chapter in a book, Leader 2050 or Leadership 2050, and we looked at the competencies required for leaders in the future. And frankly, I think they're required now. But one of them is intellectually curious. The people who are highly successful have a broad range of interests. And because the world is interconnected, those things all fold back in on each other. And of course, the math you learn in music plays in the work you do. Absolutely and, true. And the discipline in shared in the past, I performed with a woman's African drumming group. I'm terrible, by the way. But the amount of practice. Want to give us a little? N- no. <laughs> I used to carry this little African drum around whenever I was traveling on business. So I'd have my, you know, rollerboard and then I had my drum case. People aren't always delighted that you're practicing drumming in the room next door. So I would, you know, usually go find an empty ballroom or something. But that discipline and commitment to something impacted how you know there's a a whole bunch of days we don't want to get up out of bed to go to work it's cold and rainy and you just do it that drive that curiosity it Mm -hmm. is one of the things you know i notice successful people that follow my blog at Mm skippritcher.com are interested in this wide variety of authors and ideas Mm -hmm. because of that if you look at the latest research if you read the latest dissertations coming out of Mm -hmm. higher education and in all across the world, oftentimes you find that the breakthroughs that are happening in one field are not actually new. They're applied from another field Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. that field. And that same curiosity that a researcher had in looking at some quantitative physics over here Mm -hmm. and applying it to a biology, you think, well, how can that be? Those opportunities create breakthroughs. And so you're right, this curiosity is an element of incredible uh, passion and success for companies and people. And you do notice that. Plus, they're just a whole lot more interesting, right? They are. Well, and often, and you talk about your upbringing, often they are people who have had disorienting dilemmas and traumas in their lives. And not that you had traumas, but you were surrounded by people who did. So I'm assuming they impacted you on a daily basis. And some of them probably misbehaved. Absolutely true. We also saw people who were um, had a lot of significant issues, multiple mm-hmm. personalities I, to abuse. It was the full range. I, I have some experience, not personally, but with a couple of very close friends. Until you've had that experience where someone changes into someone else. And it's, it's amazing. 
I, some of us think that we turn into somebody else anyway, but when you really see it happen, turn into a teenage boy or this beautiful young woman, yeah. accent changes, somebody smokes, another personality doesn't. They don't know. Well, and they have big gaps in their memory about what did you do last night? I don't know. I don't know, right? And it's truly, I don't know. Some personalities know all, some might not, some are split. It's a very interesting uh, issue. So, yeah, we would see all these people, but you would see some of them go off and become successful and others not. And that's the mystery of it all. And you and I share that fascination, which is why I started studying developmental psychology, because that explains some of it and how we take the disorienting dilemmas and some of us take the fork that is the growth fork and others take the spiral down. We it's regress. True. And I still don't know what is it dated when I was in college, a, a young man whose mother had killed herself. He ended up being quite successful. His brother committed suicide. Mm, awful. Why was one different? And those things I don't yet understand. Mystery of it all, some, some genes, and it's just terrible to, to mm -hmm. see those things. And you want to help intervene the, the, the situations where you can, make the successful even more successful, mm -hmm. and intervene in those other situations to help them back to that. And, and I also appreciate you counseling me uh, psychologically after this interview. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> because I've now traumatized you. <laughs> no, but I haven't talked to anybody else probably in a couple decades, who's had those, and not, we're not going to go into multiple personalities on the air, but that set of experiences, you know, and I wondered even back then, like, if you haven't had a friend who's had some sort of mental illness, if you haven't had a friend who's physically paraplegic, quadriplegic, mm. disabled, and uh, disabled is a word I don't like, but has limitations it impacts how you see the world versus helping someone when their personality shifts i mean that there was a pulling someone out of the highway there were just and i'm sure you have had found people overdosed found all of the how do you, and as a little kid how do you make sense of that it's true and i don't have a sense of what was normal but physical <laughs> and mental limitations yeah. and what's interesting is all of us have them we just have them to different degrees and it's important in leadership in an organization to recognize somebody told me if you treat everyone that you meet as if they're hurting or in need you're probably mm -hmm. right most of the time and oftentimes the demands of profit the demands of our work we, with the fast pace that we have, don't pause to think. But it's very important from a motivational perspective for you to listen and understand that person, what makes mm -hmm. them tick. And if you want to turn around a company, turn around a person. If you want to turn around a person, you have to start with their story. And the culture. Absolutely. It's just something that has resonated so much with me that a culture of persistence and commitment to the group as a whole and to the individuals at the same time, then when a new person comes in or someone starts to wobble, the norms of the group and the agreements of the group help course correct. It's true. There's principles that cannot be changed. Mm -hmm. You want to guide to ethical principles and leadership principles and doing what we say we're going to do and those types of things. 
and open and honest communication. Mm-hmm. I added open, honest, and appropriate communication once after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you're open and honest, but we're adding a new one. <laughs> yeah, there's some things that should not be shared, not be and, shared. I, and, and I don't care how authentic it is. It's authentic <laughs> and not appropriate. <laughs> but in addition to those guiding principles that should not change, there mm-hmm. are cultural norms that can either help a company succeed or fail. Some of them need to change mm-hmm. as time goes on. Oh, of course. Deliberation, being very deliberate and mm-hmm. thoughtful may be mm-hmm. a cultural norm that at one point in the company is helpful. And then at the next point, that is slowing you down to such a degree that you need to shift. I was going to say, when then how does agility add on top of deliberation and we shift from... I now conduct deliberate experiments with shorter time frames rather than I deliberately plan a two-year process. Cause Completely the, different results, right? And the world changes so much by the time I have the two-year plan that it's not very valuable. It's harder and harder when mm-hmm. a board will look for what's going to happen in 10 years. Yeah, It's harder and harder to do that. You know, it's interesting because I think of the polarity of long-term plan and agility, and it seems like we're able to balance, I have a long-term plan, but I hold it very loosely. So I know that directionally, my company does leadership development. I know we're helping people prepare for the range of change we're seeing in the future. We have plans, and they change all the time. So you might wonder even why do them? We're headed to the moon, but we need daily course corrections. Perfect. Okay. It's the perfect analogy. Yeah. And you just have to keep adjusting and know that where is our North Star? Where are we headed? But I'm going to do it in an open way that will allow me to move and be flexible in the how, what, where without changing the ultimate goal. Yeah. It's the moon. I love that. Thank you. So we will be right back. This is Skip Pritchard and Maureen Metcalf talking about Skip's book and his leadership philosophies. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. 
Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. So welcome back. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Skip Pritchard. We are going to talk now a little bit more about the book and the nine mistakes. And one thing I'm curious about, why mistakes rather than success factors? The subject of a highly debated publishing discussion. (laughs) I'm assuming there's a bigger story. Because mistakes, everyone will tell you, is not something that people want to look into and study. People only want the book of success, right? But today, the new generation especially is very fascinated by the opposite side of things. And so often Ah. we're geared in and we tune in. If I say, I'm doing these 10 things right. Mm -hmm. But if I say to you, but Maureen, there's one thing that you should just tweak a little bit. Mm -hmm. By the time you get home, you don't even remember the 100 things I said that were good. You're only thinking, I can't believe he said I had to tweak this thing. And you're focused on the, quote, mistake. <laughs> yeah. It's human nature. <laughs> yeah. It, so, well, and it has to do with neurology, right? How our brains yes, are programmed. It does. And so I developed also an online component for you to be able to take a test and see what is my area, where is my, quote, mistake, what is my strength, so that I can see how that plays to me and then to my entire team. Do I want to take this? I don't know. We'll, <laughs> After this discussion, we'll you can to, tell me if I should We'll really... have to enter a counseling <laughs> session. <laughs> I think you do. And I, th- I think it also is designed to give you your strength so that okay. you can play. Into but remember, that. I won't remember my strengths. Which is great. I'll only remember <laughs> my flaws. Well, we have to know them, I suppose. Yeah. So what are a few of those mistakes? Well, again, I, I developed these mistakes through uh, extensive research and interviews with over a thousand people. And just to give you an example, the first mistake is working on someone else's dream. Ah. So often, why, why did you major in math? Well, dad said to. Why mm-hmm. did you enter this job? Well, this college professor, she was very influential. Mm-hmm. Mine was cute. <laughs> That's why I studied That's economics. Right. <laughs> See? It was really cute. But I was also good at it. Okay. So, but, but oftentimes, mm-hmm. people are, are find themselves way into the path of life and say, I've been working on something else. Mm -hmm. I am not true to myself. If you look at the research of the dying, right, oftentimes Mm. they will say, what is your regret? I wasn't true to me. I wish I would have been truer to me. Our entire book series, the leader parts, focus on what's your personal purpose, vision and values. And that's where it starts. So the first mistake Mm -hmm. is working on someone else's dream, knowing your purpose. And that works individually. 
it also works in a team or corporately, right? What mm-hmm. is your purpose? Is it clear? And not just the company purpose, the plaque on the wall. What is your team's purpose? If you're running a department, mm-hmm. what do you want to be known for? That's just as important to the success of your division, company, organization, small business, large company, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the alignment between the thing on the wall that some of us get and some of us don't, depending on how close we were to the creation of that. And me showing up each day, actually knowing how I contribute to that versus just doing stuff that I'm told to do. Two very different things in terms of the passion and energy you'll develop, (laughs) right, for it. Yeah. So a couple other examples. Um, The second mistake is allowing someone else to define your value. Mm. How much do you think it costs in the United States for us to manufacture a nickel? Probably more than a nickel. More than 10 cents. More than 10 cents for one nickel. So in the U.S., of course, we have... 10 cents to create a nickel. Why do we value it only a nickel? Well, because the label says it's worth a nickel. Cents. Well, and it's a means of exchange, not a... Not a manufactured good. So we oftentimes in our lives accept labels on ourselves. And it may be a label yeah. that is our boss gives to us, which is fair or unfair. It may be a label we got in third grade. You're not good at speaker or you're genius, right? Mm -hmm. We accept these positive and negative labels. In fact, people that are failing, making mistakes, often have a label that's stuck to them that's causing them problems. They will self-sabotage themselves Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. match the internal label that they have and not aspire to a better label. Mm -hmm. And so the second mistake is doing that. And in fact, we can remove the negative label and apply a positive label. And it's the same in a business. If the competition labels you and defines you in a box when you're competing for business. And you follow the label. You've lost. Yeah. Or you've won if you've defined your label Mm -hmm. clearly positively and maybe even defined the competition in a different box. You know, it's interesting when I do 360 assessments and people self-assess much lower in some cases. Now, other cases, they're the opposite. But where they self-assess much lower than other people assess them. Same thing. It's that label. It's so important. And so what is the label? And what do you want to be known for individually and going through that exercise? And what do you want your team to be known for or your company to be known Mm -hmm, for? mm -hmm. It's that old exercise. You know, some people do it at the funeral. What would you want people to eulogize you? I think that's a little morbid. So I think more of a, you know, positive headlines for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Because other, you know, probably it's like, well, I don't really care. I'm not here. So that's – I'll just give one more, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not typically thought about, but it's allowing temporary setbacks to become permanent failures. And that plays into how I see myself. Right. How do you – My resilience. Your resilience. And so if you think about famous people throughout time, right, we think of Van Gogh. I was just in the Netherlands touring the – or though it's Van Gogh Museum Ah. in Amsterdam. He had only sold one painting in his life. In his life, right. But he kept going, temporary setbacks. Uh Disney was told he lacked imagination, was fired from a newspaper. I interviewed Jennifer Farr Davis. She, for a long time, held the world's record for traversing the Appalachian Trail, 2,175 miles. And she was told, oh, well, a woman can't beat a man. A hiker can't beat a runner. But she did all of those things, mm-hmm. and she overcame bears and being struck by lightning and snakes and wow. insects, and her eyes were frozen shut. All of these are temporary setbacks, but can you keep going and not let things stop you, right? Um, Oprah, right? She was mm-hmm. too emotionally tied to stories, so she was dismissed. 
And so the most successful people are able to take temporary setbacks and reframe them mm-hmm. in order to succeed. Companies do it. People do it. And it's a very important success factor. So that gives you a flavor of the nine mistakes, but they're mm-hmm. all designed in order to help you see them, label them, and and make yourself be more successful and your organization to get off onto a much more positive path. Yeah, I want to elaborate on the temporary setbacks because when we look at vertical development or development through the the levels of leadership maturity, it is often the disorienting dilemma and how I metabolize it. How do I make meaning differently than I used to of the events that will propel me forward rather than stop me? Right on this exact issue. How do you reframe that Mm -hmm. in a positive way? And it's interesting. You can see you were talking about two people. If you look at two people experiencing the same event, some will see it as a setback. Mm -hmm. Some will see it as utter failure, and I will never do this again. Some will get up to speak their first time. They're nervous. They're shaking. Mm -hmm. And they have a terrible experience, but they're like, that is never going to happen to me again. I am determined that I am going to be the best speaker there is. Somebody else will have that experience and say, that was a failure. I am never going to get up in front of a room again. I actually had that experience. My microphone was off. I was afraid, so I left it off. People left. I was grateful they left. I didn't understand why anyone stayed. And I took improv classes after that. That's a success factor. Yeah, I I don't... Blame. Take failure as failure. See, that's success, right? Blame is the big thing, right? Where people blame... The coach, the weather, the taxes, the audience, the publisher, the management, their injuries, pain. They will come up with these excuses. My parents, the way I was raised, right? Where other people will have the exact same set of experiences and difficulties. Mm -hmm. And that's the fascinating part. But push on. And why is that? They're not allowing these temporary setbacks to just stop them. There's something in them that develops this Mm -hmm. resilience, which we can all learn. And that's the interesting thing. If you talk to the most successful people, they've learned to overcome it. Part of it is self-talk. They've learned to Mm -hmm. reframe that talk. I have literally taught people and asked them, tell me exactly what's going through your mind. Mm -hmm. Just close your eyes and tell me. And they will start giving me that inner voice. And you start to hear what's going on. Now, can we reframe that? Can we reprogram that? Mm-hmm. Let's step up to the microphone in our mind. You know, the, mm. the most important microphone that we have isn't the one in front of us. Maybe right now it is. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's that microphone far. in our mm-hmm. mind, right? Can we, can we control that microphone in our mind and guard it as much as any other thing? It's the most powerful microphone there is. I love that because... Here's one of the pieces of data from our resilience work. Five minutes of negative thinking causes six hours of physiological impact. And we are wired to think negatively in that it's a self-preservation. If something went wrong, so if the last time I did a recording I was struck by lightning, then I would be in a position of distress because I would be physiologically concerned about my survival. Or you were so on fire, we were excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and actually the last recording I did was fabulous, and I walked in feeling really good. good. My brain adjusts. And all of our brains adjust. And the other, so I'm the stress data hormones girl right come now. in. Yep. That's going to affect us, right? We have a negative experience, a blast from our boss. That negative boss, wow, the damage it does for hours. So evidently, our brain will 
emphasized by a factor of eight to 10 times a negative experience because it is in self-preservation mode. And as a result of that, we can choose how we take that and move forward. How can you change that internal track to move faster? The most successful people, they still go through that feeling. They still think those things. They just do it at a much faster clip in order to move on. They can process those negative Mm -hmm. chemicals and turn them into positive energy and drive. Your determination, I'm going to take an improv class, is going to come faster than somebody else who's just going to wallow in that. You know the people who don't, it doesn't last eight hours, it lasts eight days. Well, the conversation (laughs) continues. It's not five minutes negative conversation. It's ongoing. They step up to the personal microphone and keep repeating the story and it amplifies versus the, yep, this is going to feel really stinky for a while. I did not get up on Saturday mornings looking forward to improv class. You didn't wake (laughs) up excited about that. It was something I was doing to learn. I learned to kind of enjoy it, but it wasn't how I was wired. So it was kind of suck it up and go do what you need to do. I'm sure people don't want to hear that, but (laughs) (laughs) there's a whole lot of life that is kind of suck it up and help reprogram my brain. And so one of the differentiators, I think, and you've pointed to this, is as soon as I become conscious of what I'm thinking, those thoughts that are generally unconscious and in control, I can now reframe. I can't reframe unless I realize that these unconscious things are controlling my life. And you have to realize that you can control that, not that control you, which so often we don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And so we leave this microphone unguarded and it would be the equivalent of having your living room and just letting the garbage truck come in and dump all this garbage. (laughs) And you say, well, I have no control. Garbage trucks just dumping things in my living room. No, you can shut the door. You can stop this. (laughs) You can lock it. So do not allow that to happen. And that means who am I surrounding myself with? What am I thinking? What am I reading? Am I listening to things that are uplifting? Or am I listening to people and other things that are dragging me down? I love that. It is within much of it, not all, but much stuff happens. But how I deal with it is totally mine to do. It's a choice. And I get to build those skills. And again, we, you and I both sit here like, yeah, that's easy. It's, it's, there's easy. a whole bunch of <laughs> suck it up, pull up the big girl panties, and press forward when it feels awful. It's true. But that's that piece you talked about, that these are temporary setbacks. And most of us have within us the capacity to navigate those. It is. Now, there are some times when we need someone to come alongside us. We might need some professional counseling. We might need help getting off of an addiction that we're in. Mm -hmm. We may need – all of those things happen. That's life. But all of that also is in our choice, right, where we can – Ask for that help and seek mm-hmm. that help and find the things that we need in order to move us forward. And I think it's really, really important. But it's, it's true whether it's a company or an individual not to get locked into that negative pattern, but to get out and break out into a much more positive environment. So what I'm taking away from this segment is that the mistake of not guarding the microphone The mistake of taking those setbacks and allowing them to frame how I make sense of my own story and my life is foundational to being one of those people that when something happens, and for all of us, something happens, 
I can either use that as the trampoline and bounce myself forward, or I can use it as the hole in the ground that I'm going to fall in and sit there. And for some people, that sitting there is a long time. It's true. And it all starts with the recognition of where you are. And that's why this book is important, because I wanted the book of mistakes to be something that you could recognize. Wait a minute. I'm here. I'm trapped in this one. I need to change this. And if you can recognize that and use it to propel you forward, you can surround yourself with the tools needed to drive yourself forward. Perfect. That's a great segue to take break. We will be right back. I am so excited about hearing about the mistakes, but also how our work aligns and hopefully the insights we're giving people about consciousness and managing thinking and the idea that I don't have to allow the dump truck to come in my house and dump the garbage. That image reframes all my boring comments about (laughs) data. So thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You are joining Maureen Metcalf and Skip Pritchard. We are talking about his book, 
the book of mistakes, uh, nine secrets to creating a successful future. So let's go into, in addition to the nine mistakes, you have a separate story that teaches three other success principles. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. I weave in a backstory for entertainment and for education to keep the story moving along. And it teaches desire, gratitude, and belief. That success starts with desire, mm-hmm. right? All good success. Are you? Do you really yeah. want it? And some people do and some people don't. Yeah. They self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. Oh, it's a big, magical, big, big. magical secret. I, yeah. I can't believe the power of gratitude and the simple exercises of gratitude journal, yep. gratitude mm-hmm. minute, taking that time. As a CEO, I, I try to take time. I learned this from Doug Conant. Doug was the CEO of Campbell's Soup. He's, okay. He writes all these personal notes. He's known oh, for writing thousands of them. I'm not at the thousands level though I aspire. But every day I try to write a thank you note to a customer and employee, handwritten note, and send them in the mail. Oh, I love because that. that gratitude, I just, mm-hmm. I heard about this. I want to mm-hmm. thank you for what you've done, et cetera. When you put that gratitude energy out, incredible things happen. And study after study shows it and does that. And belief, of course, is very, very important. So belief in yourself and belief in your mission, belief in what you're doing. And if you're not in a place where you're passionate about what you're doing and you don't really believe it, get out. And that ties back to your first mistake. It does. Live in somebody else's dream. It does. So they're all interrelated. They mm-hmm. build on each other and they're very important. But I find that desire is the key. Gratitude is the engine and belief is the way to uh, move forward on so many of these things. You know, I want to comment on the gratitude piece. I have done a gratitude journal. I I am not where you are in writing thank you notes. But even early in my career when I traveled a lot, I would carry thank you notes in my briefcase. And when someone, especially airlines, right, those can be the best or worst experiences. And so I would often take the person's name and send a note to their boss immediately. And that stuff goes. Such a difference. I do it all the time in restaurants. If mm -hmm. you recognize great service, You'll get better service. And think about this. You know, I, I lead organizations. This is probably not official HR policy. <laughs> but I can absolutely tell you that mm-hmm. the people who are the most grateful for their bonuses and raises will get more bonuses and raises <laughs> than the people who aren't the next year. Yeah. It is absolutely true. It's human nature. Mm-hmm. When you see someone who's so grateful, so appreciative of the opportunity, not just mm-hmm. money, but thank you for giving me this opportunity to engage with this project or to, to go learn, here to grow, or to, to learn this skill, send me to this class. It was so impactful to me. I feel better. You know what? Who are you going to give the next opportunity to? The one who was grumbling about it? No. And if you're putting yourself in those situations, you're pushing your comfort zone and you're able to get into more and more. And so gratitude helps you personally and it helps the organization. You can have a grateful organization. Your entire culture can be one of gratefulness. You can find – I love – I run a an organization called OCLC. We're dedicated to the mission of libraries all around the world mm-hmm. of all types. One of our employees was so grateful for the food service. He wrote me this long letter, including pictures of the amazing dishes that he had experienced in the last few weeks. In the cafeteria. In the cafeteria at work. 
We do have an amazing cafeteria, I must say. You come up and try it. It's <laughs> okay. amazing. I mean, world-renowned. It's so good. And he took the time to write site-specific examples of employees in the cafeteria. Beautiful. I mean, he should have been a food photographer. These mm -hmm. photos were so good. But took that time to be grateful for something that small that most people would mm -hmm. say, oh, it's insignificant. I just had lunch. Mm -hmm. No. And what does that do? It, it it changes that culture, right? It makes people even more willing to serve and step up their game It also changes our more. brains. And it changes our brains. All that research is fascinating. Yeah. Right? Wires us for optimism. Wires us for success. Wires us for opportunity. I love that. I do too. I wonder how much of what we've learned in leadership we will later learn that it's a lot of wiring, the idea of practice, right? It only rewires if I do it more than once. I can't just be grateful once. <laughs> it's a practice. Some people think that, right? <laughs> well, I was grateful last Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent someone a note. Yeah, <laughs> and right. then I was bitchy the rest now of the I'm back to eat. Now I'm back to playing Eeyore, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. That's not exactly gratitude. So you mentioned culture several times. How have you built in these success factors and the additional factors into a corporate culture? Corporate culture to me is fascinating. I've led a number mm -hmm. of different companies and no culture is the same mm -hmm. and where it starts and no goal of a culture is the same either. So if you're coming in as a leader saying our mm -hmm. goal is to have a cookie cutter approach, I don't believe in that as well. But how you evolve the culture through people, through experiences, through education is something that I love to both study and practice. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a practitioner because you can never get culture perfect or right. Of course not, because the, the world's changing. It's changing. So as soon as it's right, it's kind of like home remodeling. As soon as it's right, something else is out of date. Something out. And we're fortunate in our organization. We've been winning uh, best places to work over and over in, in all of these various awards, which isn't due to what I'm doing, right? Culture is not just – people always say, oh, culture is from the CEO. Well, it's, it's top partly, down and bottom up. But it's everybody, right? And so I'm much more successful because I realize that to me, I'm, I'm a big proponent of servant leadership. So mm -hmm. what is my ability to serve you? And if I serve you, you can serve our customers mm -hmm. and our customer, and, and it just develops. And so culture changes through a number of different factors and, mm -hmm. and it, it's even space. And we, we redid our building. It's a gorgeous building. Mm -hmm. It had been stuck in the 19, uh, probably 70s. 1980, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe 1980. And when I first got there, it was interesting, Maureen, because people were trapped on the elevators every week. And I was trapped my first week. And I thought, and they said, oh, well, we're often trapped. And I said, okay, so is this forced team building or we, did we, you know. And, this is and where we take the stairs. This the is building's where we take not that tall, is no, it? it? Just four stories. Yeah, this is so, stair time. Uh, so we, we put in a beautiful new central staircase for that okay. very purpose and we <laughs> want healthy uh, company to work. But also we fixed the elevators, but the space now is gorgeous. More light, space, furniture, all of these things aren't just aesthetic, right? The, the studies on this are fascinating that it helps change culture. Mm -hmm. And it's signaled a real shift. If you want to do a quick shift in culture, one of the fastest ways is dramatically change your space. Because now my immediate feeling, and the other thing I did was I made sure I said I insist that we have upbeat, positive music playing in this central space. Music is the fastest way, right? To change our yeah, to change our mood. We change our mood quickly, and so we walk out of that parking lot. We walk through the building, and immediately we hear this upbeat music, and we and have this light. positive light culture. And we have bright, brilliant colors. 
And so space is so important. Mm -hmm. How we lead our teams is so important. Our communication, do I feel plugged into the mission or mm -hmm. do I feel like I'm out of the loop? Are we in silos or do we feel like we're all moving in the same direction? Can I contribute? Do I feel like I'm being heard? None of those things can be done immediately. But when you start to put all those components together, you shift culture. And profit is a wonderful thing. To measure culture. To measure culture, but it has to start with purpose. Mm -hmm. If you put your profit before your purpose, you're going to miss it. I had one CEO I worked for at one point, and he said, our goal is to make sure that our free cash flow is equal to or greater than net income. I said, now that right there is a real inspiring motivational speech. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get up tomorrow and make sure I'm <laughs> – That drives me. I'm going to give you the extra effort right. today. We need to think about our purpose first and then the profits will follow and they're just – they're a lagging indicator of a successful yeah. culture. Yeah. They're not the leading indicator. Well, certainly the you – know, I know our website talks a lot about what we do and I talk a lot about the why we do it. The world's changing so fast and I've seen – really good people lose their jobs as leaders because they weren't keeping up. They were working their fannies off. It's not like they were slackers. No one said part of your job is updating how you lead. They are clearly the flip phones of leadership. <laughs> the flip phones of leadership. I <laughs> love that. They are depreciated, right? You don't have an old flip phone. You Probably most of your electronics have not fully depreciated. And yet we don't think that our mental process, our leadership skills – depreciate and then to get reemployment becomes more and more difficult. So I see people who are precious people to, trying to take care of their families who were amazingly successful and they're completely baffled by why they can no longer get a job. And they've got kids in college and spouses who depend on them or whatever the story is. And then they get stuck. And getting out of that rut is a whole lot Very harder hard. Than the continual That's why it's a refining. rut. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you know, some the, of them, it's the, a hole. They're in Wonderland. The book of mistakes is also designed in the same way in that I learned a long time ago, Jim Rohn used to say something in his seminars. He said, and I tell employees this, which is surprising mm -hmm. for a CEO. I say, work harder on yourself than your job. Mm -hmm. He said, if you work hard on your job, you'll make money. If you work hard on yourself, you'll make a fortune. Now, oh, the like idea that. isn't actually the money. But if I'm thinking about expanding my abilities, my skills, mm -hmm. working on myself as a leader, investing in books and resources, listening mm -hmm. to shows and positive mm -hmm. broadcasts and, and these types of programs, I'm going to get sharper as a leader. And that's that old Stephen Covey thing, right? Sharpen mm -hmm. the saw. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't just chop down the tree. And that investment will keep you from being in that kind of situation. Now, you might find yourself out of a job. You might find yourself in a difficult time. But you're going to have much more to rely on than someone who doesn't. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's the point. Most people will lose a job. But am I employable, reemployable at a comparable level? And how fast? Yeah. And, and it and makes a difference, right? If I'm learning all these skills and if I'm open and if I'm grateful and opportunistic and optimistic, I will find the next opportunity. And I'll look at it as a temporary setback, mm -hmm. not a failure. Well, and often we ask people, in fact, to work themselves out of a job, right? Your division's closing, and the people you retain and move are those who were willing to do that and trusted themselves as much as you. It's so true. I remember a motivational speaker that uh, passed away a few years back. He was great, Keith Harrell, and he was talking about a big layoff at IBM, and they said, 90% of you are going to lose your jobs. and any questions and he he put up his hand and he said I have a question and they said 
what is it? And he said, when all these other people are gone, will I get a bigger <laughs> office and one with a window view? <laughs> and somebody turned to him and said, you'll probably be the first to go. And he said, I was. <laughs> but do you, what kind of attitude do you yeah. have? And he was yeah. immediately employable and immediately put his skills into a new area that mm-hmm. blessed the world. What a great story. So we've talked about the mistakes. Why are these timeless? Well, I think the mistakes are timeless because success principles don't change, right? It's it's back to those leadership principles. Success principles are the same in every organization and mm-hmm. in every individual situation. And it doesn't matter if you are going back in time or now. You know, one of them is surrounding yourself mm-hmm. with the wrong people, right? That's timeless. People have this incredible influence on who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. And so the mistakes are timeless and can be used in all kinds of situations because they really do apply to life. And mm-hmm. and that's why you'll see people say, end of life, if you do yeah. these studies, they will often cite some of these key areas. And it usually doesn't change, right? We do this study and it's generation after generation, yeah. it's yeah. the same. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it changed? Because, <laughs> because we, we got those we, right. We got it early. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, I got the memo early. Like, I think yeah. I think we're missing the memo. So I'm hoping <laughs> this is like the memo. You know, I tell people it's it's kind of like if if somebody was in a wreck. I heard somebody tell the story. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a wreck and somebody runs out to the middle of the road mm-hmm. and they're bleeding and they're sweating. And they wave you down and they say, stop, Maureen, don't go down this road. I just crashed. The bridge is out. That's like saying, hey, here's some of the nine mistakes. Do you want to keep going down this road? Well, some of us just go, get out of my way. Oh, never to be. I'll be be one of the 10% that stays. (laughs) How do we listen and get that wisdom early and change the course of our life? So that's the invitation to our listeners is how do each of us, and, and you've heard from both Skip and I that we have made our own mistakes. So let's take the next minute and a half or so talk about where they would find your book, where they would find your blog, and the video that you've done about your book. I want you to share that. Sure. So skippritchard.com, there is no T in Pritchard. For all the Pritchards who are listening with the T, mine does not have one. <laughs> so P-R-I-C-H-A-R-D.com. Skippritchard.com is my website where I have a wealth of interviews and articles on leadership and success. The book can be bought at any bookstore uh, or, or mm-hmm. airport stores, Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, et cetera. So mm-hmm. wherever you buy your books, independent bookstores, which okay. we love to support, yeah. we are happy to uh, have a number of people supporting the book. And it is also a, a book trailer you mentioned, which mm-hmm. you know, was very interesting because I, I have some videos out there where I'm explaining the book. but. A book trailer is very interesting to put together in a narrative. It's like a a movie, coming movie thing. So that's been uh, very interesting. And then also for leaders who are leading a team and want to get five or ten books, I also wrote a companion guide. It's a leadership guide to the book of mistakes filled with exercises for you to take your teams through to not just change you individually but to help your organization and to help your division move in a more successful path. Thank you so much. I actually – Really enjoying reading the book and look forward to finishing. Very good. This is Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Hopefully everyone who is listening has heard something that they can put into practice immediately, whether it's a resilience practice of managing your thinking or getting clearer on whose dream you're living 
or developing a gratitude practice or beefing up your gratitude practice. There are so many things that Skip's talking about that I think are immediately applicable, whether you have a CEO job or you're the janitor. You know, for all of those who think about leadership as that someone else, there's also the I lead myself. I lead my family. I participate in my community or my church. How are you being the person people want to follow and inspire rather than being the leader who tells people what to do? We want you to be defined by your success, not your mistakes. And we want you to learn from your mistakes. <laughs> yes, or mine. <laughs> so you can find us at info at metcalf-associates.com. Email us at that address or Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I would love to hear your feedback. Skip would love to hear your feedback. And I hope that you are able to buy his book. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.